Thank you for joining us today at River City Church, a church living in love. If you have a prayer need, would like to speak to a pastor, or have questions about today's message, please email us at info at rivercitysmyrna.com. For more information or to give to the ministries of River City Church, please visit our website at rivercitysmyrna.com. We hope you are encouraged by today's message. God little info about why Kara would be speaking. Why Kara, you know? Other than she's extremely awesome, gifted, passionate, walking in the will of the Lord. Are we, today are we good? Okay, cool. Um, she's one of our local missionaries, and if you guys have time and you go in the prayer room, not during service though, because during service that's a mom's room, and moms do mom things in there that you don't want to see. Um, but after service, there's three pictures on the wall of local missionaries, and one of them is uh, Karen Jonathan, and then Luke and Kelly, and then Eric Stavinus and his family, and Jamie, which are not here today. But um, we, we pray for them, we pour into them, they're a part of what we feel like God's doing through our community. Um, and just for you, a quick tidbit about the rest of this year, we as a church are really moving towards community transformation. There are a lot of things that are about to start happening, whether it's praying for specific things to influence, be a part of. Um, and so Kara and Jonathan are people that have said yes to our whole life will be for you, Jesus. So um, they live it out through their actions. And I love that. And I like supporting that. And it makes sense to support that. Um, and they're part of kind of the ground level here. They're not necessarily sent from here. This is just their home church. And so she's going to come up in a second and share just a quick bit of info about missions this year. We're going to Scotland again. Um, so one, you're going to be hearing about supporting, and two, we're praying about how big the team should be. Bill's going to be leading it. I'm preaching at it this time. Um, we're going to India most likely next year, um, not this year. Is that correct? Here, this year. That's right. So we're still praying about when. Um, we're... Going all in again with Campbell High School when everything, we're still apart. They still meet here. They were here this past week. Luke's actually leading up and bringing some of the guys here and taking them places and is at the school. We're still weekly involved, but we're going to ramp up again for the season and do an awesome job for them. 
Um, we're praying about ways to impact the city. And here's the, the deal. Our church exists not for other churched people. Here's what I love. People who are de-churched tend to find a home at our church. People who have been in churches and that maybe have found that some of the things, like all of us and everything, they found a home here. The goal, though, is not that. Our goal is people that do not know Jesus have to know Jesus, and we're his vehicle. And so in order to do that well, it's not just about getting in the community and telling them about Jesus. The steps that happen after that are really important. We're praying through something right now called an alpha group, which means here's the beginning steps, and it's a group of people that will walk together through initial steps in Christianity. So these are things we're talking about. When we talk about community transformation, it's not just let's just destroy the community. It's now what happens with people who really need Jesus. Does that make sense? Discipleship. So all of that's coming together. The end of this year is just going to be super fun. Um, but Kara and Jonathan fall under kind of our wing of missional living, community transformation. And today she's going to come share her heart. And as she comes, can we just point our hands to her and towards her and pray for her? Father, I want to say thank you for our friend who from the beginning at Riverstone pulled us aside and jumped on board River City, and I pray that today you would give her um, peace, joy, and righteousness, that she would preach the kingdom, and um, we just want to ask you to continue to guide them 100% health for the baby. We thank you for your gift. God, that's a miracle, and we ask that you would just speak clearly today. Open our hearts to hear. Open the caverns of our heart, as we sang, and give care of the boldness to preach for you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks. It's, it's okay. I'm not going to fall. You're good. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah, so I'm Kara. Um, very pregnant, as you can see. Um, <laughs> plenty of jokes have been made about <laughs> me being up here this pregnant. Um, but we should be good. Um, it's my husband, Jonathan. <laughs> Um, and just a little bit about us. Yes, um, my husband's about to finish nursing school, um, hoping to do pediatric oncology. Um, and I work in Atlanta with the Navigators, um, and I work in a neighborhood called English Avenue with a school that's been started there. Um, and so I assist in a lot of ways, but we also run an after-school program. Um, so that's how I primarily spend my time, up until very recently. Um, so yeah, that's me. Um, so when Josh approached me and asked me, he actually didn't ask me. He walked in when I was meeting with Sarah and said, by the way, you're speaking March 13th. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, I didn't, he didn't tell me like what they were going to be speaking on leading up to me. He, he just said, we'll be doing a series, there'll be a two-week break, and then it'll be Easter. So, have at it. And so, um, I had no clue, I, until he started talking to us as a body about pots and sots, um, which we've heard plenty of, um, I had no clue what that was going to be about. He had not informed me, he had not given me any guidance, but the Lord started talking to me um, about three months ago, about this concept of creating space, um, which fell right in line with uh, what Josh and um, had started talking to us about as being one of our prayers of the seasons. And so, 
today we're, I want to kind of dive into that concept of creating space and what that looks like um, and, and, and what keeps us from creating space and within our lives. Um, and so a little bit of, about my personal journey with creating space. Um, I'm somebody who struggles uh, with anxiety. And so what that means is the concept of walking into a space within my day that is not filled with something creates anxiety for me naturally. I always want noise um, if I can help it. And I don't even need to be paying attention to that noise, but noise needs to be on because that helps me feel better. And so I also have expectations in my head of myself and of, of what things are supposed to look like. Um, and so when, we f when the Lord first started talking to me about creating space, the f one of the first things he started to move on my heart about is, um, what if you don't have to create the space that I've already created it for you, and there's merely an invitation for you to step into the space that I've already created? And so for me, that was really liberating because when I think of creating space, I'm that person that's like journaling and I'm wondering how my handwriting looks. I want it to look good. <laughs> Sounds really dumb. I've always cared about it. For as long as I can remember, I've cared about my handwriting. And so I kind of had to start being freed of the expectation of what I thought creating space looked like. And what I thought it looked like um, was waking up at 6 in the morning, depending on my job, spending an hour every day with the Lord in the Word. And if that didn't happen, if I didn't meet that standard of creating space, then I have fallen short and I've missed my opportunity to walk into space with the Lord. And so when he first started telling me that it wasn't necessarily a pressure thing that I needed to put on myself, it wasn't something I needed to do, then that became much more inviting to me. <laughs> And it became much more interesting to me as to what could happen if I was willing to create space. And so I, through this journey, um, we're going to start in Genesis. It's a good place to start. <laughs> um, so if you'll open up your Bibles, if you have it, if not, it might be on the screen, to Genesis 2. And we're going to pick up where creation of, has already happened, Okay. Um, Adam and Eve have not been brought into the scene yet, but creation has already happened. We're going to read starting in verse 4. This is the account of the heavens and the earth when they were created. When the Lord God made the earth and the heavens, and no shrub of the field had yet appeared on the earth, and no plant of the field had yet sprung up, for the Lord God had not sent rain on the earth, and there was no man to work on the ground. But streams came up from the earth and weathered, watered the whole surface of the ground. The Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. Now the Lord God had planted a garden in the east in, the Eden, in Eden, and there he put the man he had formed. And we'll stop there. Um, The Garden of Eden took on a different meaning for me um, when my now husband and I ended our engagement, round one, as we call it, which is a different story. <laughs> um, but the Lord started to speak to me about the Garden of Eden and the significance of Garden of Eden, because 
what he started to show me and how it applies to creating space is that when God created the earth, he created this space physically on earth for him to be able to dwell with man and to abide and to walk along with man. And he didn't do that after he had created man. He actually did that before he created man. He had already created something that he said, this is my heart and this is my desire and I'm going to put man in it. And it wasn't, that communion wasn't broken until we as man chose to step out of that space. And then he sent Jesus as the story goes on because he wanted to reconcile us back to his heart that we may be able to be, in a sense, back in the Garden of Eden, walking alongside of him. That is our eternity when we choose Jesus, walking in the Garden of Eden in intimacy and abiding with him. And so that was not dependent upon Adam and Eve. That was just the desire of his heart. And he said, I'm going to make, and it was, it was beautiful. And, and it, was, it was everything that we would have, I just imagine what the Garden of Eden could have looked like. Um... It was everything that we could have imagined it would have been in terms of beauty. And, um, and so I just wonder what it would be like if we started to think about the fact that this concept of creating space sounds really big and vague. And I think a lot of times we put in our head expectations that we have of what that's supposed to look like, especially in the church. And if you're not sure where you fall on the spectrum of faith, that's a really intimidating thing. There are plenty of times where, where things keep us from creating space. Society does not uh, exalt in any way the concept of slowing down, creating space, maybe even sitting in silence. Our society has, is now at a point where noise is accepted, it's expected, it's encouraged, and so, Silence, even if you're an introvert, which I kind of am, kind of not, um, at some point, silence gets uncomfortable, and we don't know what to do with it because there's not a lot of it. And so, and for me, silence immediately, this concept of creating space, I innately have a push against it because of my struggle with anxiety. But I also think... There's another component to creating space that the Lord kind of started to show me. Um, and when you create space, there's, an, there's, a, there's a natural question of, right, but what, if I do, what do I do if I create space and Jesus isn't on the other side of that space? <laughs> then I'm just sitting there looking or feeling like a fool, and you have to either question, is Jesus not pursuing me or is Jesus not real? And if he's not pursuing me, what does that mean about me? Or he's not real. Then what do you do with that? The very act of creating space is a step of faith. There is no way around it. You have to trust that on the other side of that space that you choose to step into, that there is a God who is longing and yearning to spend time with you, whatever that, whatever that looks like. And so in Psalm... 63, which um, if you, for those who may or may not have been here, Josh did 
walked us through, what's that called? Where we did the reading? Yep, did that, and I'm gonna try and say that. <laughs> we, did, <laughs> we did kind of like a responsive reading. Is that layman's terms? Okay. Um, and so we, he walked us through a couple weeks ago in Psalm 63 for something completely different. Um, this reading and allowing the Lord to speak to us through Psalm 63 and really slowing down and taking the time and creating space uh, for the Lord to kind of catch our hearts and to read it through the lens of which he was catching our hearts. Um, But there's one part, so in that, the Lord caught my heart, specifically uh, at verse 8. So Psalm 63, 8. Actually, yeah, that's fine. Uh, it says, My soul clings to you. My right hand uphold, your right hand upholds me. And this is just one verse that I chose out of a lot of the Bible, obviously. But um, specifically is a, is a picture of this. Um, see, when we struggle or have doubts about who God is, when we're not sure of our identity or the nature and character of God, when we're doubting if God is worthy of our trust, And if we're doubting his faithfulness, whether that's because of life circumstances or if that's because you feel like he's never shown up or he did show up and then he just went absent, whatever has led you to that place of uncertainty of of who God is, that's what often keeps us from entering that space. And then I started reading this and really pondering it in verse 8 where it says, my soul clings to you and your right hand upholds me. You have to be willing, we have to be willing to cling to the Lord before he can uphold you. There's no need for him to uphold you if you're not willing to cling to him. And so we can get frustrated with God and be like, where are you? You're not doing what you're supposed to do. You're not who you say you are. You let me down and list 27, 30 reasons how he in our eyes has let us down. But in order for us to take a step towards a relationship with Jesus, we have to be willing to cling to him in some small, small way that he then has an opportunity to uphold you. And he will uphold you. But the act of clinging to him is terrifying because you're not sure if he's going to uphold you or not. And so that often is the, the, the tug and pull of this concept of creating space is I create space, is Jesus going to uphold me? So we choose not to. But then by doing that, he never has an opportunity to uphold us. So at some point, you have to get to a place of being so desperate and so frustrated that you're willing to just take a step and allow the Lord to do something with that. And it is always going to take faith. I don't care if you've been pursuing the Lord for 55 years and you've been waking up, you know, on the clock, four in the morning, praying, perhaps to you. Um, Or if you're like, um, yeah, not sure about the God thing. I come every Sunday, but really not sure if he's real or not. I I don't know. Every time you enter into that space, it's an act of faith in knowing that God either is who he says he is, or you're so not sure of yourself that you're willing to give him a chance to show you who he says he is. 
But you have to kind of come to that place within yourself of saying, I can't do this anymore. I remember my sophomore year of high school, um, I went, so, grew up in Christian home. I've been pursuing the Lord a lot of my life, and I went to a private Christian school for a th- up until college. <laughs> um, uh, and I remember my sophomore year of high school really starting to question and doubt this whole God thing, <laughs> um, which I could feel, it was weird because I, I knew that what was coming at me were lies, so I believed that the enemy was real, but I wasn't sure, <laughs> I wasn't sure about God being this, a good way to combat those, those lies and those fears. And so it was keeping me up at night, talk about anxiety, whoo, through the roof, was barely sleeping, was making myself sick, because all I had ever known was this fully reliant, dependent relationship on the Lord. And so there was this season, and I remember one night where I finally sat in my room, and I had just um, been reminded of the scripture where um, the 140 people, I believe, uh, went to the upper room waiting for the Holy Spirit after Jesus had left. And I was like, man, I, I wonder what that would have been like to be willing to wait for 40 days, knowing, completely confident, that the Holy Spirit was going to come because Jesus said so, but had no proof or real reason to believe it other than Jesus had said it. And so I chose to sit in my room... I think, I didn't only think I put on worship music. I think it was just silent. I just sat in my room. And I was like, okay, God, I don't really know what's going on, but I'm not leaving my room without either knowing that you are real or you're not. But I'm going to sit here, and I'm not moving until I have some type of answer. And it felt like hours. It probably was 30 minutes. I don't really know. <laughs> but I fe- what I felt like is I sat there for a while, And you know what? God showed up. Not with um, angels and visions or anything like that, but all of a sudden there was a reconnection of our hearts because I had gotten to a place where I said, I'm willing to see you no matter how you choose to show up. I want to see you. And if you don't, then I'm really not sure that I can put my trust in you. And that's all it took. It's like, God didn't care that I was doubting. I mean, he cared, but he didn't care. It didn't scare him. It wasn't, my doubt wasn't too big for him. There was nothing that I was saying or my feeling that he, that he thought was unreasonable. He said, all he did was look at my little bit of faith of being willing to sit there and create a space in my room for Jesus to meet me. And he said, yes. I would love to meet you. Thank you for creating a space in your room and in your heart for me to show you a glimpse of my affection for you. I welcome you at any point and at any moment that you want to come. I am here. But I had to be willing to sit in my room by myself for however long, feeling nothing, seeing nothing, until the moment I felt something. And so I had to remain willing to face that fear of what's on the other side of this silence, what's on the other side of this concept of creating space. What is God going to do with that? 
it'll always take faith, always. It doesn't matter the season you're in. Um, at the beginning of the year, Josh talked about being planted, where we're planted and how important it is about where we're planted and um, being by water. And I was reading something, I was thinking about it, and even the biggest, strongest, best planted tree, uh, if that's a thing, um, by the best, best positioned tree by the water, there are still four seasons in a year. And so there is value to spring, there is value to summer, and there's value to winter, and there's value to fall. And so it doesn't matter, just because all of a sudden it's winter and it appears bare, it is still planted by the water, and that season of bareness is for the purpose of what's coming next. And so it doesn't matter in that moment how we feel, it's are we planting ourselves in a space and in time where we can walk through all seasons of life planted by that stream of water that we may be getting fed the best of the best, which is what Jesus has for us. <coughs> I'm going to get water really quick. <clears throat> what? Oh. Northside Hospital, labor and delivery. <laughs> um, and so if, you're, if identity is something that I kind of has been a process for me, and I think it's a process for everybody, and that process looks different for everybody, yada, yada, yada. But if you're someone who's sitting there not really sure of your identity, the only way you can find out your identity is if you're willing to create space for the Lord to speak your identity over you. You don't just get to say, I'm unsure of myself or I'm unsure of who God is, but say that he has to somehow work within our crazy, frantic lives and not be willing to, to have some type of discipline to say, but I'm going to give him a chance to show me. We don't get to do, that's, it's kind of a childish mentality that it's like kids, <laughs> kind of like a child who goes, it's like, well, I want this, but, like, I want to be great at soccer when I was a soccer player. So I wanted to be great at soccer, but to not be willing to create space to get good at soccer, like that wouldn't have worked. So if you're wanting or you're unsure of your identity, or if you're unsure of the nature and character of God, and if it's true to his word, you have to be willing to create a space for the Lord to prove himself faithful and to show himself true, and also to speak your identity over you. It's never gonna change. And, and the, it doesn't matter how old you are or how young you are, literally that fact and that reality is not going anywhere. But he's always right on the other side of you, willing to take what little steps you take and to celebrate them. It's not saying, I'm doubting the existence of God, and, but I want to believe in God. Okay, let me spend six hours a day in prayer. Like, that's not, that's not even what he's saying he wants from us. What he wants from us is just to begin to, to create little, see glimpses of our day as opportunities to say, Jesus, I don't even know where you are or what you're doing, but I'd like to see you today. He would love to hear that from us. <laughs> and if that turns into a six-hour you know, years down the road, if that turns into like a six-hour prayer 
prayer thing, great. <laughs> but that's, that is not his goal. We have attached in our minds, especially in the church, what that looks like. And he's saying, that's not what I said it looks like. That's not what it's about. Creating space, no matter what season of life you're in, looks different. For me, it's about to dramatically shift because I'm about to go from not having a child to having a child. <laughs> so my, what creating space looks like to me, there's a grace on my life for the season coming up where it is going to look different. And this child is created and has life because of Jesus. So it's a good thing. And he has no problem extending me grace to say, it's going to look different once you have kids. It'll probably never look the same. But there's still space to be created. There's still space for me to step into. And so, <coughs> if you open up to Isaiah 55... <coughs> Uh, starting at verse 6. It says, Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he's near. Let the wicked forsake his ways and the evil man his thoughts. Let him turn, the Lord, let him turn to the Lord, and he will have mercy on him. And to our God, for he will freely pardon for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. As the rain and snow come down from the heaven and do not return to it without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish, so that it yields the seed for the sower and bread for the eater, so is my word that goes out from my mouth, it will not return to me empty but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. You will go out in joy and be fit, led forth in peace. The mountains and hills will burst into song before you and all the trees of the field will clap their hands. We'll stop there. When I read that, I felt like the Lord was saying, that's my promise to you. If you're willing to step into space, I, and at the, the end of that is what just makes me excited. I don't know. I love it. You will go out in joy and be led forth in peace. That, that is what he is going to do on the other side of that space if you're willing to sit there and give him an opportunity. I probably shouldn't even use the word chance because we don't really need to give God chances. But if we give him an opportunity to be on the other side of that space, he will meet you there, and you will go forth in joy, and you will have peace. And those are two things that nothing and no one can touch on this earth. When you walk in the fullness and, and the supernatural joy and peace that Jesus has to offer, it is the most incredible, amazing, intangible thing ever. There's nothing like it. And speaking from somebody who has, praise the Lord, I'm walking mostly in freedom with anxiety, from anxiety, but when I was in the thick of anxiety and I started to ex experience this peace, anxiety could not touch that peace. That's how awesome this peace is. There was nothing on this earth that could touch the joy and peace 
that the Lord had to offer. And so, if, so what, what do we do then with all the doubts and the insecurities and uncertainties? Um, my challenge and what I feel like the Lord is saying is that for, for people who identify with that, who people, for people who identify with not sure if God is who he says he is, for whatever reason, he kind of, it's like, I feel like the Lord's kind of saying, like, I'm not mad at you for doubting. I'm not disappointed in you for not being sure. I hold nothing against you for, for wavering in this thing of faith. But at any moment in time, if you're willing to just give me a step, I will be on the other side of that. And so if that might mean that once a day, uh, instead of creating space being another uh, to-do list thing, it might be waiting five minutes to not turn on Netflix when you get home from work. (laughs) And we laugh. But if we wait five minutes to turn that Netflix on and say, this is an opportunity for me to step into space because Jesus is in that space, if you're willing to meet him there. And you can just say, be honest. David was very honest, had no issues with this concept of creating space and being vulnerable with the Lord. Yeah, I'm not really sure where you are, but I'd like to see you. And, th- and to, to be honest with you, something may happen or nothing may happen, or it feels that way at least. But the more you allow these five-minute increments over days to show up, it's going to transition from your head to your heart, and all of a sudden, you're going to begin to be expectant for the Lord to begin to show up in your day. And it is, it is okay that that is hard and that is scary. Likewise, for some of us who, um, I don't know why some of us corporately, um, who are um, phenomenal, like my parents, both of them, phenomenal at living, having created a disciplined lifestyle in terms of creating space for Jesus. <clears throat> Some of the best examples I've seen of it. There is still a place in the midst of that for the Lord to say, I am calling you deeper. And in the midst of that, it is still going to take an act of faith to leave where you are and to go somewhere else because you're not exactly sure what that is. So there is no point in our walk with the Lord where where we have come to a place of mastering this concept of creating space. It is an ongoing, never-ending adventure of the Lord saying, I'm going to ask a little bit more more of you, but if you're willing to go there, I promise you, these things are going to happen because I am there. And it's going to look different for people. But different is not an excuse to not do it. That's not the same thing. Different means that Jesus really is meeting you. Different does not mean that I can go four months and be like, yeah, I'm creating space while I'm watching House Hunters. (laughs) Maybe. But if you're never transitioning and allowing the Lord to call you deeper, then that's the purpose of community. Because then community gets to speak into that and say, what if he wants to call you deeper while you're not watching House Hunters? (laughs) Or while you're not watching the news? 
or um, when you're not listening to music. So community plays a has a, a direct role in us being able to not only go deeper, but to, to challenge us and to hear us, hear for us, because sometimes I think we lose track of even stopping to listen. But to say, he wants to go deeper. And really the question is, are you going to go deeper with him? He's already there. He's gone before you. He is already in the deeper. He's asking, will you come with me? And he will wait until you say yes. He's not forcing anybody anywhere. He will wait until you say yes. That is how good and faithful he is, is that he's always pursuing you, and he will keep pursuing you until you say yes, and then he'll pursue you to the deeper until you say yes, and there will always be a continuum of going to the next. I love what it talks about the deep being called to the deep because what it's saying is I don't have to create that deep. That deep is already in me and it's already in him and it's purely my responsibility of acknowledging that and to go there. I don't have to dig deeper. Like there's, I don't necessarily, for me at least, how, he, how God communicates that to me is it's not like I have to create this depth that doesn't exist right now. It's already there. Step into that deepness because that's where he's calling you. And everyone's depth of what that looks like is different because we're all starting at different places. And that is why this is beautiful because all of us are in different places. But because even when you feel like you're not that deep, I bet you're deeper than somebody else. And so your deep can encourage and challenge them. We need community, and we need to be intentional about asking each other, am I doing my job as a brother and sister of Christ of calling the person next to me to, to a deeper level with Jesus? There is a direct relationship, and in order for, I just think of what it'd be like if our community, if we, were, if we as a community agreed, um, decided to hold each other accountable, that all of us were going to call each other to a deeper place, to challenge each other, to create, to step into space, to challenge each other that maybe spa what space creating, stepping into space looks like, it might be different now that you're in a new season, but challenging them into it. What would it look like if we committed to doing that? How would our church look different to this community? How would our workplaces change because we are connected to a source that is pushing us. It wouldn't just change us individually. It wouldn't just change us corporately. It would change Smyrna. It would change Atlanta. It would change Kennesaw. It would change Marietta because those are the places that we're going into. And so I, um, whoever's doing ministry time, yeah. <laughs> um, there's something so simple in the concept of space that we make bigger, that we put expectation on, that we, that we put an image attached to that of what it looks like to step into space. 
And I just feel like the Lord wants to kind of strip us of that. And I feel like the Lord wants to say that, to let us know that it's okay if creating space to you is your drive to work, that he would love to meet you in your car. He would love that. It would delight him. And if, and if stepping into space for you is waking up in the morning and choosing not to look at your phone yet and just letting God know, I'm here if you are. Let me know at some point. And, and that being a process of going to the next space that he has invited you into. But he's always on the other side would love an opportunity to show and reveal himself and improve sh- and, and show that his word of what he said in here is so real and so good and it's so alive and it's meant to, to be alive and he desires for it to be alive in our hearts. So God, I just come before you and I thank you that you that you are a good father. And I thank you that I have had the opportunity to experience and see and know your goodness and your faithfulness. And I thank you that you will always be there to show how good and faithful and sovereign you are. I thank you that you are a dad that has no shame or condemnation or judgment towards our fears and our insecurities. I thank you that you see our hearts and you go, I get it and I get you and I made you and I love you. Step into this time and space, whatever that looks like, and allow me to meet you. Allow me to maybe take you to a different part in the Garden of Eden and walk with you and abide with me. I just ask that your presence would fall, that this space that's being created in this moment that you have created, that you have designed, that you've gone before us, that we would choose to step into that space and give you an opportunity to show yourself to be exactly who you are. You are worthy and you are deserving. And so I just ask you to come, and I ask that you would have your way. Have your way in our hearts. Have your way in this space, Father. And may there be fruit in this this body of people stepping into space. May there be testimony that exalts and furthers your kingdom. Jesus' name, amen. Thanks. Thanks. Thanks, Kara. That was awesome. Um, As you guys know, we're going to create a space here at the end of service. For those who need to go, you're free to go. For those who will stay, this is going to be a space for the Lord to meet with his people. And so honor that while you're in this room and stay as long as you'd like. God bless you. Love you all.
Thank you again for joining us today, and please visit our website at rivercitysmyrna.com.